guys can have a seat for a moment. I don't know if you've ever flipped through the book of Psalms, but sometimes you'll read one of them and it's just the most joyful, encouraging passage of Scripture that, that you've read in ages, and then the very next Psalm will be one of the most horrifically depressing things that you have ever read in your life. And sometimes... It's both. Sometimes there's a psalm that kind of starts really heavy and really dark, but when you get to the end of it, the author has come to some kind of conclusion that, that leaves him with hope. That's the one that we want to look at today. I'm going to read a few verses from Psalm 39, and this is David writing these words in verse 1. He says, I said to myself, I will watch what I do and not sin in what I say. I will hold my tongue when the ungodly are around me. But as I stood there in silence, not even speaking of good things, the turmoil within me grew worse. And the more I thought about it, the hotter I got, igniting a fire of words. And he says this, Lord, remind me of how brief my time on earth will be. Remind me that my days are numbered of how fleeting life is. You have made my life no longer than the width of my hand. My entire lifetime is just a moment to you at best. Each of us is just but a breath. We are merely moving shadows and all our busy rushing ends in nothing. We heap up wealth not even knowing who will spend it. And so, Lord, where do I put my hope? My only hope is in you. Let's pray. Father, we are grateful that we have someone to put our hope in today. God, we're grateful that our hope in you gives us purpose and meaning and life and joy and peace. And so, Father, as we talk about hope tonight, we just pray your Holy Spirit would work and move. We pray that we would hear your words, that it would be your power on display. God, I pray that you would do in people's lives what you need to do tonight. If, if someone here needs encouragement, we pray that you would do that. If there are people here tonight that need hope and comfort, I pray that you would bring them that. If there are people here that, that need a challenge, if they need to be given a, a nudge, then, then Holy Spirit, we pray that you would do that. But God, I just pray that this would be a night when we know that we have met with you, that we have heard from you, that we've glorified you. We're grateful that you're here and we love you pray all these things in the name of Jesus and the church said, amen. All right, well, how we doing? You good? Welcome to Crosspoint. Welcome to December. It's December. December made a really nice calm entrance, didn't it? That was super. That was really good. As much as I don't like uh, snow and ice and winter and bleh, all that kind of stuff, I will admit I like it when it's December. I like a white December. I feel like December should just be Christmassy and nice and snowy. December 26th, it can all die a really quick death. But until then, I'm not complaining about it, and I'm really glad it wasn't a weekend when it stormed. Amen. Um, well, we're doing something a little bit different this weekend that I'm really excited about. It doesn't necessarily affect the people who are here right now live, uh, but as you know, we launched the South Campus uh, seven weeks ago, actually, which is crazy. And uh, what we've been doing <clears throat> Saturday night is that I'll preach Saturday night and we'll say hello to the South Campus and all that kind of stuff, and they'll actually watch this video tomorrow at the movie theater. This weekend, we're going to do the old reversal. 
And we're recording this so the people at the North Campus, which is you right here, are going to watch this. And I'm going to go to the campus and preach there live for the very first time. And so we're excited about this. Uh, So, hi, North Campus. You're here right now watching me on a video. And I know that might be a little weird. I don't want you to get all like bent at a joint that you showed up in church today and you had to watch a movie. Uh, There are people who do that every single week. That's what happens at our South Campus. Week in and week out, people watch a movie on purpose, and God still uses it, and it's been really good. And so we wanted to give you a taste of what it was like to kind of go to the South Campus and watch the sermon, Um, and I really wanted to get there and preach to those guys live. And so it won't happen again until 2017. (laughs) But yeah. But for you that are here live right now, it doesn't matter. Just forget I said anything whatsoever. Um, Are you in Christmas mode? You there? We are, what, 22 days till Christmas? Uh, Anyone done their shopping? A handful. Not bad. That's good. I hope you all got me something nice. Um, Well, that's what we're talking about. Uh, we're talking about Christmas, we're talking about Advent, uh, we're three weeks away, it's great. I was on Prospect Street today, don't do that again until 2017. <laughs> Prospect Street on a Saturday in December is highly inadvisable, don't do it. Uh, but I love Christmas and I love that we get to walk through Advent and that's what we're doing, it's kind of a traditional thing and uh, we kicked off Advent last weekend and <clears throat> the word Advent literally means uh, coming or arrival. And so we're remembering when people were waiting for the arrival of the Messiah. And they were waiting and waiting and waiting. That's what Jesus, or what Jesus, (laughs) that's what Jamie talked about last weekend. You can edit that right out. Um, So Jamie talked about waiting. And uh, I don't know if you were here or not, you remember the sloths at the DMV and all that kind of thing just were so impatient But God uses waiting to help us and to change us and to grow us. Today, we're going to continue to talk about that idea, but we're not talking about waiting. We're going to talk about hoping. We're going to talk about hope. And I know those words seem similar, but they're actually really different. Waiting and hoping are two different things. See, waiting, you can wait for something and not be looking forward to it. Right? Waiting doesn't necessarily mean that you're excited at what's about to happen. You can be waiting in a doctor's office and be dreading that appointment. You can be waiting at a dentist's office for a root canal. You can be waiting to get your test scores back, knowing full well it's not going to be pretty. Uh, You you can be waiting to have a really difficult conversation. Just because you have to wait for it doesn't mean that you're looking forward to it. God still uses those times of waiting, but it doesn't necessarily mean that it's always our favorite or that it's something great. Hope, though, the word hope infers that what you are looking forward to is something that's exciting. It's inferring that the thing you are hoping for is a positive thing. It's a good thing. You are excited about whatever it is you're waiting for. My kids this week were hoping for a snow day. Tuesday night, the snow started coming down. And they were like just wild. And they were running laps around the house. They were giggling. They were watching the snow come down. Snow day, snow day. And they were like, woo! It was 10 p.m. My eight-year-old is still up, just running laps around the house. Snow day! Uh, They actually, unfortunately, discovered snowpredictor.com. 
Snow day for have you, has anyone discovered that? Any teachers use that? Yes. Uh, it will, you put in your postal code and it will actually give you a really accurate kind of estimate of what the percentage is that there will be a snow day. And Tuesday night, it was a 99% chance. And so they were not going to bed. They were just, they were hoping for a snow day. I was not. <laughs> I do not like snow days anymore. Snow days ruin everything. They ruin my routine and my schedule and daycare and everything I was waiting to find out if it was going to be a snow day, but I was not hoping that it was going to be a snow day. They're different. Hope has a joyful expectation attached to it. There's joy involved with hope, and that's how it's connected to Advent and to Christmas. All these people were hoping for a Messiah. They weren't just waiting, but there was this kind of joy-filled expectation that one day a Messiah is going to come and he is going to be the kingdom. He's going to usher in a new kingdom. He's going to be a ruler over a kingdom, and there's going to be peace, and it's going to be great. There was hope attached to it. But they waited for a really long time. They didn't know when it was coming. They did not have messiahpredictor.com on their phones. It's 48 BC, 0% chance of a Messiah today. But they hoped. They had hope every night. They lived in a world very similar to ours. Uh, it was dark and it was difficult and there was lots of unrest politically. There was violence. It, a lot has changed since the year, like, one. But a lot has stayed the same. And they were in a very similar world, but they still had a joyful expectation that a Messiah was going to come. And he does. Their hope kind of comes to fruition, and the Messiah shows up in a manger. And it's what uh, kind of spurs on the author of O Holy Night to write my favorite line of any Christmas song when he writes, the thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices. Like, what is it that makes a weary world rejoice when what you were hoping for happened? It made a weary world rejoice that Jesus showed up and God did what he said he was going to do. And he still does. We still have hope in a God who can make a declaration and you can stand on it and know that it will happen. It still gives us hope. Hope is still what makes a weary world rejoice. Not just then, but now and today. I want to talk about that kind of hope today. Right, there's two different kinds of hope, really. I mean, there's, there's hope in the way that the world uses the word hope, but there's also hope in the way that God uses the word hope and that Bible, kind of the scripture, uses the word hope. Technically, it's the same word, but I find that they have two very different meanings. See, the world kind of lumps the word hope into the same category of just cross your fingers. I really hope this works. Have you ever said that? I really hope this works. And then you like hit send on an email and you wince. You, you, you start the car like, I hope that worked. You disarmed the bomb like, I hope, I hope that worked. No, no one's ever disarmed a bomb. It's just, it's a hope. It's not necessarily rooted in anything. It's just wishful thinking. I just, man, I hope so. I hope this works. And so the world just kind of hopes for everything. The world hopes that maybe this will be the political leader that will change everything. Maybe this will be the year that the, the stock market turns back around. Maybe this will be the year that I find a spouse. Maybe this will be the year, right? And I just, I hope, I hope, I hope, I hope. 
I hope I win the lottery. I hope my kids turn out all right. But it's just positive thinking. This is just cross your fingers, wish upon a star. There's nothing tangible to it. There's nothing foundational to it. It's not rooted in anything. In fact, if anything, it's rooted in uncertainty. When the world says it hopes, it has no idea what's going to happen. When my kid hopes that there's going to be a snow day, what they're really saying is, I have no idea. I'm completely uncertain about it, nor do I have any control in it. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, so I just kind of hope that there's a snow day. Sometimes we, we hope, you know, we'll say things like, well, I hope you make it there. Hope you make it there in one piece. <laughs> it's like, well, I don't really know if that's going to happen. I can't be sure that it will. I don't know what's going to happen on your drive home today. Right? As I hope it works out for you. It's not rooted in anything. It's just, I don't know. But I hope. See, biblical hope is different. Biblical hope is not just rooted in wishful thinking, but it's rooted in, in a joy-filled, confident expectation that our God who makes promises fulfills all of His promises. It's a hope that when God says he's going to do something, he is going to do that thing. That when our God says he will show up and he will be this or do that or go there or make a promise, you know for certain, without a doubt, 100%, that he will do and be and go all of the things that he said he was going to do. With God, it's never just, I cross my fingers, I really hope he shows up. No, you can count on God. Those promises are, are tangible. They have foundation. You can stand on them. You can hold on to them. Hope is a confident expectation because God. Because God made a promise. He made a declaration. He's got a track record. And so you have hope. When, when we read in Hebrews 13, 8, that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever... What that means is that we still worship the same God who said everything. We, we worship the same God who said, let there be, and, and there was. We worship the same God today who, who back then said, I'm going I'm to free all of my people from slavery, and he did. We worship the same God who back then said, I will walk with you in the fire, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and he, and he did. He was there with them. We worship the same God who said, Mary, you're going to give birth to a son, and his name is going to be Jesus, and his kingdom will have no end, and it happened. That is the same God we worship. He is the same God today, yesterday, and forever, and so you can stand on his word. You can stand on his promises. You can have hope in the words that you read in the pages of your Bible. He is the same God with the same character, with the same track record. 100% accuracy. We have hope because God. And so as followers of Jesus, we don't ever have to just hope that something is going to happen. We have his character. We know that it will. We know that it will. See, the world has to hope for a politician to be good because it kind of goes, oh, sometimes they are, sometimes they're not. The world has to hope that economic stability will happen because some years are good and some years are not. And it kind of goes like this. There's no consistency. Our God is unbelievably consistent. You don't ever have to worry about what God's character is going to be tomorrow. You don't have to worry about how God is going to act tomorrow. You don't have to wonder about what kind of mood God is going to be in tomorrow. 
We, we've got that ongoing, expectant, confident hope in God. And so they were hoping in Jesus. The shepherds were, and the wise men were, and all of God's people were hoping because it was rooted in a promise. They didn't just come up with that idea on their own. God said multiple times through multiple people. He he spoke through the prophet Isaiah and said, A son is given to us, and he'll be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. It was a promise that they were hoping in. It wasn't just, man, I hope the world gets better. They were waiting on God. They had hope. It's not just an empty wish. We serve a God who makes promises and He keeps promises. And you can hold on to that even when, even when life doesn't seem to improve, even when life seems painful, when life seems uncertain, when life seems difficult, you can still have hope in those times. That's why Paul wrote to the church in Romans 12, 12, and he writes this, Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. He writes, rejoice in our confident hope when when things around you aren't great, when when tomorrow looks bleak, when next month looks even more difficult, when you're facing uncertainty and things aren't going your way. Paul says, even if all you have is hope, you can rejoice because we have that good of hope. We can be that confident in God. You can rejoice even when you're in trouble. Because we have hope. See, the world doesn't have that kind of hope. The world can't say, all right, everyone, rejoice. I know we're in a recession, but I actually can't guarantee it'll ever get better. So panic. That's what the world can do. But see, our hope, Paul says, you can rejoice in it. Even in times of trouble, he says, just keep on praying. Why? Because God is going to show up and he's promised to work out for the good of everyone who loves him all things. He's going to work it out for us. And so you can have hope. You should have hope for tomorrow. You should have hope for next month. You should be able to walk into 2017 with hope, knowing even if you don't have any idea what's going to happen in that year, you know that God's there and that He's good and that He's working for you. There should be no such thing as a pessimistic Christian. That that should be an oxymoron. For a Christian to be so full of despair and anxiety, and it's, I don't know, it's not going to happen, I can't, I won't, that shouldn't even exist because of the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. Even in uncertain days, you can rejoice in your confident hope. Now, it is good for us to recognize that this is not just a passive act. Right? We, hope doesn't mean that you just kind of sit idly by and, and wait for God to come do a promise. Oftentimes, we have to do something. The word hope, to have hope, it's, it's a verb, it's an action. So it involves us playing a role in, in some kind of way, right? Like there's, there's truth in the sense of like boring factual math. Two plus two is four. You don't have to hope that's going to be true. It's just true. Right? But, but this kind of hope that we have in Jesus, it, it's different. There's still faith attached to it. There's still an action attached to it. There's still something that we've got to get up and do something because of the hope that we have. Uh, it, it's like marriage. A, a wise husband or wife would never speak about their marriage simply in terms of hope. Uh, here's what I mean by that. Like Liz and I, we celebrated our 15th anniversary a couple months ago. 
Can you imagine if the card I got her says, Happy 15th! I sure hope this keeps going well. (laughs) Happy 15th anniversary! I sure hope we don't ever get a divorce. That is not a great card to buy your spouse on your anniversary. Right, and, and here's the reason why, is that you're actually responsible for the way that your marriage is going. You can't just sit back and hope that it goes well. You're involved in making sure that it goes well. You made promises. You made commitments. There, there is a role that you also have to play. So you can hope that it goes well. You can hope that everything's still looking rosy in 2045, but, but there's also a part that you play in that that you're helping to make sure that that promise comes to its fulfillment. And so I play a part. It's the same with our hope in Christ. There's a role that we play. It's not just an empty hope where all the Christians in the world are expected to sit back and not do anything. And people are like, why aren't you doing anything? I'm just hoping, just hoping that it gets real good. God's going to come back. He's going to make everything right. Just sit tight. That's not what we're called to do at all. It's the same with our hope in Christ. See, hope drives you to do things. Hope should change you when you get it. For some of us, it's that kind of hope that will get you out of bed in the morning. Right? You've had those seasons where it was a challenge to get up, but you got up. Why? Because there's hope that things are going to improve because God. For some of you, it's that kind of hope that will get you through the next radiation treatment. It's hope that will plant you in the chair at that next counseling session. It's hope that God is with you and working for you and challenging you and changing you and refining you. It's that confident hope that he's going to be with you in all of those situations, but you've still got to walk through all of those situations. See, he's waiting to see what we'll do in those times. Hope affects your faith, and faith affects your hope. And again, those two words are really similar, but they're also really different. Uh, we see in Hebrews 11.1. 1, it says, faith shows the reality of what we hope for. I mean, there it is right there. It's the evidence of things that we cannot see. Other translations say that faith is the substance of things hoped for, or faith is just being sure of what you're hoping for. And so, really what it says is that if I've got hope for the future, it should make a difference in my today. If I've got hopeful expectation for next week, it should change the way that I'm living right now. And so, my hope changes me today. My hope gives me faith today. I had a pastor friend uh, explain it really well. His name's Jeff Summers, and he said, hope is in the heart, but faith is in the feet. So, I've got hope that God is going to show up and do something. I've got hope for the future, and it's in my heart, but it, it, it puts faith in my feet, and I do something about it. So because I've got hope, I can live out my faith. Because of a future event that I'm banking on, it's going to change my today. Uh, to illustrate this, maybe it's like if you knew for certain that one week from today, you would be the recipient of $1 million. All of you. Right, you're going to walk out the door tonight, someone's going to say, seven days from this moment, I will hand you a check for a million dollars. Okay, that is a future event, but don't you think it would change what you did with your money today? How many of you would hit up the mall on the way home? How many of you would go to the car dealership tomorrow? 
Uh, some of you would be writing checks to some of your favorite charities. You could make a nice year-end contribution to Crosspoint Church. Right? It's not a thing that's happened yet, but it's a thing that you're confident is going to happen in the future. But knowing that has changed the way that you live today in this moment. Our faith is like that. Because I know who God is in the future and what he's promised for me and what I've got waiting for me and the things that I can depend on with him, it changes my today. It should have effect on my life and my marriage and my job and the people around me. Why? Because I have hope in Jesus Christ that extends far beyond my today. Hope for the future should change your today. And that's what's different about followers of Christ. That's what should be different about us. That's why we don't get to give in to despair. That's why we can't let discouragement and despair win. Because our souls won't let us. Because we know that there's something else out there. There's something better coming. That God is working on our behalf. Even if it doesn't seem like it now, it's coming later. The Bible even talks about how Christians should express sadness and grief different, that we shouldn't even mourn like the rest of the world. This is First Thessalonians 4.13. The author writes, Dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know that what will happen to the believers who have died, so that you will not grieve like people who what? Have no hope. Paul is saying, believers, we know what happens after death. We know that it's not the end. We know that there's hope and joy and peace and promise. We know that there's eternity. We know there's something after that. So we shouldn't mourn like those who don't have any hope. We shouldn't grieve like those who have no hope. For people who have no hope after death, that's it. It's over. You're done. But for the church, we're just getting started after death. And so we shouldn't even grieve like the rest of the world doesn't mean we won't get sad. It doesn't mean that we, we don't mourn. It's just different because we have hope. I mean, the difference between attending the funeral for someone who doesn't know Jesus and the, the funeral for someone who does, oh, it's night and day, isn't it? One has hope, and the other one's just crossing their fingers. I sure hope I lived good enough, but we have hope church. We have joy and promises. In fact, it's really similar to the words that we kicked off with in Psalm 39 when David writes, we're merely moving shadows and all of our busy rushing ends in nothing. We heap up wealth not knowing who's going to spend it. So he, he concludes with, so Lord, where do I put my hope? My only hope is in you. I mean, my only hope I don't have my hope in anything else. I don't have my hope in my finances. I don't have my hope in my health. I don't have my hope in my talent. I don't have my hope in the way I think things are going to go. Because as soon as you have all of your hope in all of those things, there are no guarantees anymore. If you're hoping that you live to be 88 years old and have a lot of money to retire with and you've got all these plans, you don't know that you're here tomorrow. So where do you put your hope? And I would argue, I would kind of submit to you that if you're here and you follow Jesus, but you're just full of despair right now, it's because you have transferred where your hope lies. And you've probably put it in things like your bank account or your job or your security and not in God. My only hope, David concludes, is in God. 
Don't just cross your fingers and hope it goes well. So do you know that you've got hope? Do you understand that you've got hope? 1 Peter 3.15, he writes, Instead, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. But then he goes on to say, If someone asks about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. All right, because your hope is the thing that people are going to notice. Your hope is the thing that probably separates you from a whole lot of the rest of the world. And people are going to look at you and be like, how are you so hopeful? How are you still walking through this? How, how are you so happy when everything is in turmoil and everything is in unrest? You better be able to answer where your hope comes from. It says, always be explained. Oh, always be prepared to explain. Well, let me tell you about my hope. Let me tell you what gives me a firm foundation when the rest of the world is kind of in chaos. It's in Jesus. Can you explain your hope? And what are you hoping for? Right, as followers of Christ, we've got a lot of reasons to be hopeful, don't we? We've got a lot of promises that we're standing on. Uh, we have the hope of salvation. And I understand that salvation is a thing that happens now instantaneously. Some of you are saved. It's great. Uh, but it's also future, right? There's a day that's going to come where you're going to stand before God Almighty and He's going to look at you. And if you have been washed clean and made new, then He's going to look at you and say, well done, my good and faithful servant. It's not because of anything I've done. It's because of something that He's done. But here's the thing. I don't have to have dread for that day. I've got hope for that day. I have the hope of salvation. That's what I'm banking on. We're all going to stand before him. I hope you have hope for that day. We also have the hope of the Holy Spirit. And, and really what that hope is, is the hope that we're standing on the promise that God said, I will never leave you or forsake you, that I am in you and with you and wherever you go and whatever you do. It's the promise that says, even when you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'm with you. That I will never be gone. There is never, can you imagine how terrifying and discouraging it would be to get like an email from God and he's like, uh, bad news, the Holy Spirit's leaving next week. Just out of your life particularly, you've used them all up, expiration date came, he's just going to be gone, good luck for the rest of your living days. Like how horrifying would that be as a follower of Christ to know that, that God has somehow left you? Good news, it'll never happen. It is a promise that you can stand on, the hope that God is always with you, that he will be with you tomorrow and next week and next month and next year. Always. We also have the hope of the resurrection. We have the hope that says this life is not all there is, that there is something more, that there is something better coming. And, and we celebrate the resurrection when we baptize people. It's our picture of, I was dead, but now I'm alive. And it's kind of like a figurative, like, oh, neat allegory. <laughs> but it's literally going to happen someday. And it doesn't matter if you put my body in the ground someday, you will. Or if I get incinerated in a fire somewhere along the line. It doesn't matter because I've got a hope of resurrection. When God said he's going to turn it all around and the dead are going to come back to life and it's going to be good. I also have hope that one day there will be the redemption and the restoration of all things. And God will make all things right and he will make all things new and all will be good and it will be like that for eternity. That's a good hope, isn't it? That's rooted in a promise also, that this heartache, that this pain, that the grief and uncertainty that our world gives us on a daily basis, it will end. 
I have that hope because he's promised that. This is Revelation 21, verse 3. It says, I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, Look, God's home is now among his people, and he will live with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them, and he will wipe every tear from their eyes, and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All of those things are gone forever. And the one sitting on the throne said, look, I am making everything new. And then he said to me, write this down, for what I tell you is trustworthy and true. That is a hope that I have every day of my life, that this life isn't all there is to this life, but he is in the process of redeeming and restoring everything. And one day it's going to happen and we will get back to the paradise that he created and intended for us to all experience. That gives me hope today and it gives me hope for tomorrow. And it's only found in Jesus Christ. It showed up on the world 2,000 years ago as a baby in a manger, but it still gives us hope today. He still has the ability to make a weary world rejoice. He has the ability to make a weary soul rejoice. And he wants to give you hope for tomorrow. Some of you, maybe it seems like you've lost your hope. You're hopeless. And you're facing things that just feel like they're in despair. Maybe it's your marriage. You don't have hope for your marriage. It's not going to make it. Maybe you don't have hope for a financial circumstance that you're in. You don't see how it's ever going to get better or improve. Maybe it, it's, you've kind of lost hope for your kids and the way that they're turning up and, and turning out and growing up and going off. And, and you're just, I don't know if I've got any hope for what the future holds. Despair is a dangerous thing to give into. And if you follow Jesus, you cannot, cannot, cannot give into despair because you've got such great hope that is over and above all of the other things that can cause you worry. The antidote to despair is hope. It's hope. I don't know how many of you are familiar with kind of the classic book, the, the allegory, The Pilgrim's Progress. It was written like 500 years ago or something crazy. It's about a man named Christian who was on a journey to paradise. It is not a deep allegory. <laughs> But they're midway through the book, Christian and one of his friends, they kind of get lost and, and they get thrown into a prison in a castle and the person that is guarding them is a giant named Despair. His name is the Giant Despair. And the Giant Despair tortures them every day, makes their life miserable. He, he, he kind of beats them, he mocks them, he says, this is it, this is all you're ever going to know, it's all you're ever going to have, tomorrow and the next day and the next day, I'm going to be here making your life miserable, there is no escape, there is no way out, you might as well just give up and die now. And after enough days of this, Christian's friend, whose name just happens to be hopeful, says, I think I remember I think I remember you having a key on you at one point. Do you remember having that key? And Christian kind of roots around and he pulls out this key and it's fittingly called the key of promise. And they put the key of promise in the door of their jail cell and it opens and they bolt, they're off, they're running and, and they escape. And kind of the conclusion to the story is that a Christian is able to escape despair with hope and some promise. 
And it was true when he wrote it in 1600, and it's still true to this day. There is an escape to the despair that the world is feeding you. There is an escape to the despair that you find in your life and that you see all around you, and you find it by hope in Jesus Christ and the promises that he has made the promise that he has given us, that, that you can be made new, that you can find salvation, that he's with us every step of the way, and that this life isn't all there is to this life. And so if you're here today and, and you are walking in despair, there is hope. And his name is Jesus. It's why we celebrate Christmas. It's a reminder that there is the thrill of hope, that the weary world rejoiced and you still can because Jesus showed up. And, and maybe you're here, you already follow Jesus, but you've misplaced your hope, you've put it in other things and today is your encouragement and your reminder to put it back in God like the psalmist said, my only hope is in God. I don't have it anywhere else, it's only in you. And, and maybe you're here today and you don't know Jesus and you're discouraged and, and if really, if you're looking around the world just hoping it gets better, you've found out over the years that it doesn't just get better, that it isn't just going to fix itself. So where do you put your hope? Where is your hope? And my encouragement to you today is to put your hope in Jesus and to find that joy and to experience those promises and to have something that you can hold on to when you get up in the morning something to look forward to. Where do I put my hope? My only hope is in you, David concluded. And I know many of you have done the same. And so I want to pray for us tonight. I want to give you the opportunity to put your hope in Jesus. And I want to pray for some of you here that already know Jesus, but you're down and you're discouraged and you're walking in despair. And I want you to be encouraged today to find your hope again. Let's pray. Uh, if you're here in this room today and you have not made a decision to follow Jesus and you want to put your hope in him, I'm just going to encourage you to raise your hand right now so that we know who we're praying for. We just want to be able to know who it is is out there that says, I need some hope in my life. So would you just raise your hand right now in this moment, even on video at the North Campus, if that's you, we want to pray for you. pray for all of us now here. Church, Jesus, you're good and we love you. And we are grateful for the hope that we have in you. And so God, I pray that you would kind of put hope back in the hearts of people in this room who have maybe lost it along the way. They've fallen into the, the pattern of being discouraged. They've fallen into the, the lies of, of the world that says this is all they're it and it's not getting better. God, I pray that you would give them hope again, that they would find it in you, that they would hold on to your promises and they would find joy and peace, even in the middle of pain, that they would rejoice in times of trouble. Encourage them today and give them that joy. Give them that hope, Jesus. May this Christmas season be such a good reminder to them and to all of us of the hope that we have in you. And for those in this room that don't know you, Jesus, I just simply pray that they would say, Jesus Christ, I need you in my life. I need that hope. I need that meaning. I need that purpose. I need those promises. And so, Jesus, I thank you. I invite you into my life. 
I invite you to transform me, to make me new, to give me that hope. Jesus, for all of us, we love you and we are so grateful. You're so good and we're so glad that we know you. We give you all the praise and all the glory in this place and we pray in the name of Jesus Christ.